Hello and welcome to Movie Nosh with Mike and Josh, where each week we sink our teeth into a different movie feast. I'm Mike, he's Josh, and this week we're looking at Stanley Kubrick's 1980 horror, The Shining. Uh, it's known for such classic lines as, here's Johnny, and a disturbing seven-year-old screaming, red ram, red, red ram, red ram. Uh, holds legendary status and is probably one of the few book adaptations to deliberately go against its source material, uh, differing in so many ways while still remaining shit-hot as a separate entity. <laughs> uh, it also spawned an uh, infinite amount of YouTube videos uploaded by painfully unfunny comedic duos who have no authority on the matter whatsoever. Cue theme music. <laughs> Feel a little bit of um, solace with the unfunny YouTube duos. Yeah, we aren't stupid enough to upload no. anything to YouTube. You forgot to mention our special guest, Tony. Oh. Thank you for having me on the podcast. That's fucking scary. <laughs> you imagine if no one's actually watched this film and they're listening yeah. to it now and they're like, what the fuck is Tony? Who's Tony? Who's Tony? I'm Tony. <laughs> um, well, come on to Tony, I think. Yeah. Um, so this is a, a a new one for us, really, just reviewing a, a classic movie. We, we've reviewed, we did our Quentin Tarantino special, but that was eight movies in one, whereas we've never reviewed a classic movie on its own before. Yeah. However, I feel like this is the perfect movie to start off with in our classical series, which we need to come up with a fancy name for. Ooh, um, we can work on it, but I like Thrush. But, movie Thrush. Yeah, with Mike and Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say movie, movie Posh, like... Posh analysis, but that's shit as well. I just so, like one. I just want one syllable, one word. Just, just thrush then on well, its own. Not, well, I mean, obviously not thrush. Maybe, yeah, maybe. No, we can't no, no, no. Um, what would your mother say after she heard that word on this podcast? Because she listens every week, obviously. She taught me that word. <laughs> Except she taught me to spell it with a K. Oh. Um, we'll come up with something but yeah it's, it's, it's our first time delving into a, a classic film and this is a great film to go on because there is so much to talk about unfortunately we'll have to miss a lot but that's fine mm -hmm. um, I think if you're a fan of conspiracy theories you will like this movie yeah would you reckon is this episode worth listening to if you've not seen the film no you just no. gotta watch it but yeah, a go lot on. of people have well, yeah, yeah. Like, to, I'll, I'll I mean, confess, you hadn't. I only watched it for the first time last weekend, and I am a twenty-five-year-old man. You are not twenty-five. I am not a twenty-five-year-old man. I'm a twenty-nine-year-old man. I got myself confused. Uh, so, what was it? Ready Player One that made you watch it? Yes, it was uh, because of the shining scene, and I just wanted I to get more context behind it. I don't know. Whether I would have appreciated that scene in Ready Player One more if I'd seen The Shining before or after, I'm not sure. Um, I, I think I probably it. appreciate it more because I remember you saying you were like, it was quite cool that yeah, I thought they literally just layered the CGI characters on top of the scenes. Revisiting it. Because I yeah. haven't seen it in a while. I think the last time I watched this maybe last year, maybe a year before. Mm. Um, and Ready Player One brought it back to the front of my mind. Yeah, so I, I just wanted to give it a shot and see what, what the crack was about. Exactly right. So it's based on a book by Stephen King. One of who, my favourite authors. Yeah, yeah. He's, he gets around, doesn't he? He writes so much shit. When did he write this? Because this film was 1980, so he must have written it in at least I, 1979. It was definitely one of his earlier books. Yeah. Um, Obviousfact.com. And he hated this movie. Yeah. Like 
But it's it's one of these movies where, just like Ready Player One, uh, the movie's kind of based on parts of the book, like a, a sort of basic framework, and then the director and the writers just go off and do their own thing. So the book's completely different, which is kind of handy because that means I can now go read the book of The Shining yeah. and know it's going to be completely different. Just like I watched Ready Player One and now I'm reading the book, I'm still surprised because it's not exactly the same. Yeah. So I prefer that, whereas when I watched something like... I, I read um, The Martian, loved the book, watched the movie, and I was like, meh. Nah. Kind of know what's going to happen most of the time, and they left out some of the really good bits as well. So. Well, I think they, these are two different things, which is, which makes it, which makes it great. It's a great um, experience, Matt. Whether you, you read the book or watch the film, they're both separately fantastic. Well, the book, I'd say less so actually. Really? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, I like the book, and it's different. Um, it has a more overarching idea that the, the hotel is haunted and, and the hotel is evil. Mm. Um, they're different things. I preferred the film. Yeah? Yeah. Interesting. I think if I read the book, I'd probably prefer the book. Well, that's very... I mean, but the, the reason is... So I watched this book at 29 years old, you not watched, 25. Watch the book. Watch the film, yes. Watch the film. Jesus Christ. Jesus. I have that many beers. <laughs> um, so I, I watched the film, but at 29 years old, I've obviously been exposed to a lot of the most famous scenes, as well as the ending. Yeah. Because I've watched The Simpsons. And that's, yeah. you know, The Simpsons parodies absolutely everything. So I already knew about Red Room. I knew about the axe scene. Yeah. I knew about him freezing in the end. So that was going to be one of my questions to you. What did you think about the film before you'd seen it? What, um, was, your, what was the idea that you had? My, my understanding was it was like one of the scariest films ever. and it was, Scary? Yeah. And it was because it was a Stephen King one. I knew it was definitely a bit different compared to normal horror films. I knew it was a famous one for Jack Nicholson. Um, I knew it was like one of the most sort of recognisable films and had a lot of famous scenes, but that's kind of it really. I didn't know much else apart from that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you held it in high regard having not watched it. Yeah. Because everybody else does. Yeah. And you're a sheep. <laughs> yeah. But in all honesty... I did too. After watching it, I was a bit like, meh. Yeah. But I think that's partly because... I knew what was going to happen because I'd known about all those infamous scenes in advance, which meant it took the edge off it. And I actually think, watching it now for the first time, the first half of the film is shit. Not <laughs> what? Seriously, nothing happens. It's just a lot of people having some conversations. It's very slow. It's just it's just them going, oh, "Welcome to the hotel. Oh, would you uh, take a seat and you know you can dust around and type some shit on my typewriter and that yeah. kind of stuff." And the only point where it starts to turn in the film is all of a sudden, and I think this is bad storytelling, all of a sudden you see Jack, the main character, the dad, staring out the window like he's having a stroke or something. And um, I was like, that was a bit... Weird. The, the transition wasn't smooth at all. It was like really... Abrupt. Abrupt, yeah. And it just, I was a bit like, oh, that's, that's lazy story writing more than anything. And it wasn't until that point that I think the movie really started getting interesting. And the other thing I didn't like about it was, the, when did the film come out? 1980. So, the editing seemed quite amateurish in a lot of ways. Like, you know, especially the intro scene where they're driving through, well, Jack's driving through this really long valley on his own, and the credits are coming up on scene, the name of the film and stuff. It just looks like this is someone who's made a film for the first time, yeah, but it wasn't. Yeah. No. So, it, it just took me out of it a not, bit. Do you not think the music in that scene is terrifying? Just the music alone. No, 
Yeah. What? I've heard better scores, but then again, I live in a more modern world where it's easy to do that kind of thing. And also at the same time, um, this is the same year that Blade Runner came out. Um, and I feel like we've got no excuses. Quite yeah. In fact, interesting bit of trivia. Mm. So that scene at the start where uh, Jack's driving through the, the valleys up to the, the hotel. New, New England. Yeah. New England. Oh, no, I think it's like Maine, but go on. Yeah. Um, it's like very solitary. It's out in the middle of nowhere. It's picturesque. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, the first time that they showed Blade Runner to audiences, a lot of people complained that the ending was a bit too bleak. So to make it more palatable, I guess, for general audiences, they twisted it to give it a happy ending where, um, what's his face? Harrison Ford. Oh, yeah, Deckard. Deckard. I almost said Riker. It's Star Trek. Um, nerd. Uh, no. runs off with Rachel yeah um, they made it so they run off together and there's a scene where they're in the car in one of the cuts driving off together yeah yeah, yeah. and in the background there's I've a forest scene and actually that forest was borrowed from The Shining those kit, those cuts at the start because uh, um, uh, what's his name Ridley Scott called up Stanley Kubrick and was like I need some footage I don't have it so we gave him some of that footage from the start of The Shining. Fucking so the hell. end of The Shining... Is sorry, that, the end of the Blade Runner is technically the start of The Shining. That would be fucking brilliant. What a crossover that would be. I yeah. want to see that film. Yeah. I Except hope... it doesn't work in a time, mm, time does it? Mm, I don't no, care about yeah. semantics. <laughs> I want to see it. It sounds so good. Mm. I'd love. I'd like the whole cross-gendering... Not gendering. Genreing thing. Is that I'd quite, see... quite like cross-gendering, but... <laughs> you want to see that... Um, Men in Black and 21 Jump Street crossover. Yeah, yeah. I oh, love uh, it. Just fucking play around with it. Yeah. Nothing is sacred. Don't take it too seriously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, my next question for you. Uh, you've answered what your first thoughts on the film were and that it was meh. Yeah. Kind of boring. Mm. Um, have you seen any Stanley Kubrick's any, uh, other films? What, no, what I've seen, seen parts of 2001 Space Odyssey. Mm, never seen that. I know to. of A Clockwork Orange, but the sound of what it's about doesn't really tickle my fancy. You need to watch that. I need to. Well, yeah. Yeah. It'll fuck you up. Sounds like crazy people going around and killing and murdering and raping people. I mean, that's part of it. Yeah. It's also remarkably old. I think it's like 1972 or something. Really? I just did shit, man. That's like... How old, how long ago was that? Do I have to do the maths? 28 plus 18. So... 30, 46. Is that right? Mental. It's a long time. Yeah. Um, but it still stands up today. Great bit of movement. Uh, making uh, what about uh, Full Metal Jacket I don't think I've seen Full Metal Jacket we could do a whole Kubrick thing we could do maybe um, we should what, that's a great film well actually this is almost the opposite to how is you find this film because Full I Ma- thought the first hour or so this film's great and then it kind of just goes off really yeah. is Full Metal Jacket the one with the um, the drill sergeant who's just yelling in people's faces mm. I think I have seen that film actually yeah. and the guy in the sheriff shoots him Yes. Sorry, I have to see the film. Uh, <laughs> apparently, it's unbelievably forgetful. Movie news Josh has seen Full Metal Jacket and didn't realise. <laughs> uh, what about Doctor Strange Love? No, I know. I, I, I know of that film. I remember my dad talking about it a lot. Really funny. But. Um, Peter Sars. Yeah, but I think I always confuse it with um, Barbarella as well for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, were you scared during this film? No. No, it's, I mean... But again, I, I knew what was going to happen. And, I mean, I remember you saying you were terrified watching this for the first time. How old were you when you first watched it? I was young, it? though. I don't know. I don't know. 20, 29? Really? No, 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 I don't know. I was, I was a lot younger, and Jack's character scared the shit out of me. 
the, the twins scared the shit out of me. The scene where he walks into the uh, two, room 237 and the hot girl's there, I was like, where's this going? And then all of a sudden, it's like this freaky old lady. Um, yeah. I remember her coming towards the camera scared the fuck out of me. Um, Roughly how old are you? I don't know, like maybe 13, 14, 15, 16, really? 17. You fucking pussy. Really? Yeah. <laughs> no, well, it's just a, it's a psychological horror, isn't it? It's just... It definitely is. Um, also, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Exactly. Like, so halfway you... around, I'm just freaking out. Yeah. And I'm waiting for something to illuminate the situation. And all I'm getting is some mad guy um, who's written all work and no play. When I, that first, when I first saw that all he had done was written all work and no play, that really freaked me out. I was like, what the fuck? How long has he been crazy for? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because it makes you think, has he been crazy all along? Because he's been typing that since he's been at the hotel. Fun fact about that. uh, Kubrick made sure that not only was it in English, but he did one for like Spanish and Italian and French and German as well. Because he knew that 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 scene would be ruined if you didn't read, if you couldn't read it. Yeah. How many pages of that were there as well? And not only that, but they made it like different shapes and shit as well. So basically he's hired someone to sit there and type that shit out. Or made it look phenomenally accurate, uh, amateurish. Yeah. But that would have been more effort. Mm. Didn't have a, didn't have copy and paste in those days. Or did they? Do, 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 do. <laughs> I was going to do that same exact noise. That's oh, weird. Oh my God, we're same thing. Um, so when did you watch it? Last week? Yeah. Have you been thinking about it since? Did you watch it, did you think about it for days after? Did so, it leave its mark? So, I watched it and thought, meh. So I thought, okay, I'll watch an analysis on YouTube because... There's got to be more to this than I'm realising. And that's when I discovered my favourite thing about this this movie, which is conspiracy theories. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think we'll talk about them more in a bit, but... Um, there's plenty. There's just... It's fucking bonkers. And it all resides on the fact that Stanley Kubrick, as a director, was so meticulous, such a perfectionist, mm. that they say that stuff isn't in a scene unless he means it to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The problem is I as in life, take everything at complete face value. So if someone says, hey, I'm really happy, even if they've got tears streaming down the face, I'm like, oh, yeah, they're all right. Yeah. <laughs> they're fine. Yeah. It's all good. Um, and I, I, so I never see the underlying tones and stuff. No, I didn't the first few times I saw this. It wasn't, like you said, until people tell you. Mm. However, a lot of the conspiracy theories, I think, are actually bullshit. Yeah, and people are just reaching. Because I would see no point in a, a movie maker creating a f- film where the meaning is so hidden. Do you know what I mean? It, I don't think it needs to be hidden. I don't think it, hidden is the right... I think ambiguous. Yeah, but it's and almost there's like... There's a lot of them. There's lots of avenues that you can go down. I mean, they do go into the nth degree on YouTube. Yeah, of course they do. Especially that Scouse House bastard. What's his name? Something know. arg. He's kicking off because someone had already stole his analysis. I'm going to give you some kind of credit here, Mr. Arg. The, the, the guy who talked about the bear costume. He's focused yeah. one on one tiny bit of the... Uh, and he's gone to town on that bear yeah. costume. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that later on anyway. Okay. Uh, so next question, favourite bit? Ooh. Um, my favourite bit would be, apart from the naked lady scene, because she is a very attractive naked lady before she's, she... She's before her time. Like, this 1980s hot. Yeah. Um, and she's very much a late noughties hot. Mm. I mean, she and is. the thing is, if you Google her, which I definitely did, oh, yeah. um, that's the only film she's ever been in. Well, she's a wasted talent. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the same for the old lady version of herself, the only film she's ever been in. Yeah. Anyway, uh, scariest bit. Um, 
I guess potentially the bit where he first starts turning on Wendy and yeah. uh, she's backing up the stairs and she's got the bat and she's like swinging and stuff. Oh, yeah, and he's yeah. like, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in like that. I'm going to bash them right the fuck in. Yeah, yeah she's being scary. What the fuck is she going to do? She can't just run off. Well, that's just it. And the she whole... seems pretty shit with that bat as well. This is what I mean. It's a scary fucking film. They're isolated up there, all on their own. Yes. And he's a nutter and he's strong and powerful. And in the book, I think he used to be uh, American football player, but yeah, right. even in this, like he's he's an intimidating just for the fact that he's and not she's quite and she's meek and mild and yeah uh, and she's got to protect her son and yeah like they mention it in, in a lot of the videos but the the whole idea that your your this father figure could be so evil mm. this person who you put all your your trust in to protect you all of a sudden rips the carpet out from under your feet um, I'm talking about Jack here not my own father okay uh, but terrifying fuck it they're on their own it's scary everything's haunted you're miles the, away the, from everything the wallpaper's awful the carpet's terrifying <laughs> um, there's uh, not any alcohol in the place at all yeah exactly it's, unless it's, it's a scary you idea you can't spirits oh did you just come up with that now yeah that was fucking brilliant I was quite happy with that one. start the podcast again we'll leave <laughs> we'll leave with that that's the starting sentence oh brilliant alright uh, okay uh, we'll ask for your marks at the end but let's um, have you you, you, do you want to make some um, observations that, that you had whilst watching this film? So you want my marks first or you want them later? No, I think, well, what, what would you like to do? Do you want to... Oh, let's some... talk, I want to talk about some of the themes first. Yeah, because I think okay. that's, that's the themes that I think are legit and then I want to talk about some of the conspiracy theories as well. That are more often... Some are more believable than others. Than not bullshit, yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, some of the themes that we have are, for example, the cycle of violence... So there's a whole idea that at the very beginning of the hotel's existence, it was buried on an Indian burial ground. And they, let me say that again, an Indian burial ground. And they had to actually fight off some Indians while they were there. Um, on top of that, this isn't the first time that this kind of thing has happened in the hotel. In fact, there was, was it Paul Grady, I think it was called? Something Grady? Something Grady, yeah. Yeah, it was a previous caretaker that Jack hears about in his initial interview, who turns out that he murdered his two girls and his wife when he was in the hotel as well was it room 237 that he did then yes okay. yeah uh, or, or no that's where they stayed or something I'm not sure oh, but yeah. there's something funny about room 237 it's 217 in the book it's 217 in the book and actually that's because Stephen Crane got the idea for the book when he was staying in a hotel that was closing for the winter and that was the number of the room that he stayed in ah. movie trivia a friend of mine doesn't live too far away from the uh, Overlook Hotel yeah. Do you remember, did you watch, you, we reviewed um, War of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, yeah. They used the Overlook Hotel in that film, didn't they? I don't remember. That's but... where Mad Ape, Bad Ape was staying. Oh, yeah, shit. That, that was the Overlook Hotel. Not in room 237. No, no, because it was all dilapidated. And yeah, yeah. That's shit. crazy. But it's the same hotel. That's brilliant. Um, but then also the idea that when you see the very end of the film, you see Jack is is sort of, he's either absorbed into the picture or it turns out that he was in there all along like his, his photo is in that picture from decades ago 1921 yeah and is it that this the, one of the ideas is potentially that Jack is actually a reincarnated yeah person and it's actually the same person all the time he's always the caretaker and that's that's part of the scene where he's speaking to the previous caretaker when he's going a bit nuts in the bathroom and he says um well, you're the caretaker he's knows no you're you've always yeah, been the caretaker yeah. so it's this idea of, of that's also, cycle. A, that's also a scary bit, I thought, because I just didn't know what the fuck was going on. I was yeah, like, it's like psychologically, I was tapped. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and, and you've got the, the blood that comes from the elevator. You see that happen a lot. That's a cycle in itself. Yeah. Um, and that, that always made me think of uh, back to when they were talking about the, the Indian burial ground and all the deaths that happened throughout the, the hotel's history. So that's like the blood of everybody who's ever died or yeah. come to a violent end in the hotel just flooding out. But that's a vision that Danny has. It's not actually something that actually happens, is it? Uh is that right? Yeah, I don't think she... When yeah. he doesn't see it, does, no, it doesn't happen. No, no exactly, no, yeah. Um, and, and, and even a lot of the scenes that you see are quite sort of cyclic, where Danny's driving around the hotel on his little yeah, yeah, tricycle, yeah. or the scenes where he's running around the, the maze. Well, that's just it. The hotel is, is, um, is the layout. You get a layout of it as the movie goes on, because mm. you're following uh, Danny as he's cycling through it, and, um, and Wendy as she's walking through the kitchens, and... and you kind of in your head get this idea of what the hotel looks like, yeah. And it's 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 a great way, I think, to to make you feel like you're part of it and you're you're in there, is to slowly introduce the all of the hallways and the rooms and and it's pretty yeah. It just it's, gives you an idea of just how big it is as well, doesn't it? Yeah, which also adds to the isolation that each of the characters must feel. Yeah, and, and the hotel itself is a bit of a labyrinth, as is the, the maze outside. It's just it's just a. And what what do you feel when you're the idea of a maze? Or like a labyrinth to you. When I think of it, I think of like taking wrong turns, a bit of panic and stuff like that. It's or rats anxiety with and yeah, it's anxiety. The idea inducing. that you know you might never get out. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And it's, all it's of weird. these things build up and up and up to present this idea that you're fucked. Yeah, it's 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 interesting that mazes and that kind of thing can make you feel trapped in a large space. Mm. It's almost like feeling of claustrophobia. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Whilst having shitloads of space. And then the other part of the sort of cycle of violence as well is that this isn't actually the first time that Jack's hurt his family because he says right this, well Wendy actually says right to start the film and there was an incident where Jack's come home one time he's been quite drunk he finds his son's scattered his papers all over the floor yeah. or he's knocked him or something and he pulls him a bit too hard and he dislocates his son's shoulder yeah. and at that point he says I'm never going to drink again you can leave me if I do that ever again yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously then he he, um, he he walks into the hotel bar and he's he thinks he's having a drink and he doesn't. And that turns him on to the next theme, which is to do with alcoholism. Yeah. And um, the uh, the disastrous and destructive effects that it has on his family. So obviously that starts right at the very beginning where he's he's accidentally hurt his son. Mm-hmm. And they tell that in a bit of a backstory. But I think one of the, the scenes that really hit it for me was um, when he walks into the, the golden ballroom, the gold room, whatever it's called. He sits down and he says, I would sell my soul for a glass of beer. Does he say that? You yeah, and I that. think, I mean, you could interpret that in a couple of ways, but you could interpret that in a literal sense that is that point. Yeah. He literally sells his soul to the hotel for the sensation of drinking a glass of beer because that's when he then starts hallucinating about Lloyd, the barman, yeah. who, who gives him a drink and he feels like he's drinking and he thinks he's drinking and it's almost as if like he sold his soul and now he's having this... Alcohol and it's almost like this this drunken state induced by these evil spirits is what sends him yeah, fucking yeah. nuts. Like, is he nuts or is he just drunk on ghost juice? Who knows? Well, you make a good point. Um, is the hotel haunted in that it just sort of is like a catalyst almost to to your baser needs? So, mm. or like one of the videos that we watched on YouTube suggested that uh, the hotel is there purely as as um, a, a catalyst to your to the worst parts of you or to, to underlying parts of you so for Jack he becomes reckless and um, aggressive and psychotic whereas Wendy she 
turns from being this meek, almost pathetic human into being a brave, uh, protective um, uh, thing for, for little Danny. And Danny, who's obviously being swayed by the hotel because he starts, you know, Tony's um, appearances become more and more, as, uh, more and more often as the film goes on. Um, but instead of slipping into madness like his father did or, or aggression, he finds a way out in the end in the, in the maze. Mm. And um, uh, I like the, the symbolism hotel. that they said on, on YouTube about how the maze and that scene with Danny and his dad chasing him yeah. is similar to the story of uh, the Minotaur in the maze. Oh, yeah, Theseus and the Yeah, Monitor, yeah, and yeah. The Danny escaping is uh, like Theseus in the old Greek stories, and that's what breaks the cycle of violence, is Danny actually gets away. Because they survive, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's... Also, clever little shit, by the yeah, way, to, yeah, think yeah, to cover up his sets. Who would man. think like that? No. I mean, I'm 29 years old, as I've mentioned several times, and um, I, I would be too terrified at that point to even think, fuck, what if I just cover up my shoes? I'd climb over the hedge. You reckon? Just lie on top of the hedge, you can't see you. Yeah, oh, and it's very my, cold. You'd see my footprints. Oh, it's very cold, yeah. Like, when I see snow in films, I kind of think, eh, you know, London kind of cold. I can't I imagine think... it's that easy to climb on the, the hedge as well. I imagine your foot would just go through it and you get stuck quite easily yeah little Danny days he's like true um, but what a great movie to be able to to ask and present so many different ideas and I just think it's I love movies that you can talk about yes and this is one of them that you can really talk about it, um, whether you have the authority to do so or not yeah even if you're just completely bullshitting because you've nitpicked mm-hmm. on one tiny little thing there's, there's another thing actually in the um, cycle of violence is we're talking about the Native American theme but Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, they they spotted in one of the YouTube videos we watched that um, there's a Native American like artistry all throughout the hotel. Yeah, the carpets and the walls. Yeah. Um, and even the uh, appearance of the food packaging. What yeah, was it? in the storeroom, there's there's some food in the background that's yeah. got like, a Native American. See, that was on a great. It. Not that also that, but it's, it's it's the sort of lack of respect towards it as well. Yeah. So because this is this one. is made on a Indian burial ground. Yeah. You're, you're flaunting. Native American yeah, art yeah, yeah. everywhere. And also the Native American on the can was red. And that's sort of a derogatory red skin yeah, term as well. Yeah. And um, there's that one point where Jack's like not working, but he starts to run a, a tennis ball against the wall. Oh, yeah. And he's literally throwing it at the big old Native American art mural. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just to play catch. It's a complete and utter disrespect to it. And that, again, is a sort of a reflection on the, the cycle of violence in America and its history yeah as I well as the history of the hotel yeah uh, that's see now is that if we watched this film and it just come out this year would we start thinking about this or is it because this film came came out 38 years ago mm. that we've had all of this time it's, it's been held in such high regard it's got legendary status it's indomitable from you know critics is it because of this that we start to come up with these ideas like oh my god he's like oh like when you were in English literature yeah. and you were reading a book mm-hmm. and your teacher would say, now this passage is because um, the author is actually suffering from, and my teacher used the word suffering, from gay tendencies. Um, wow. <laughs> and I was reading the passage and I thought, no, he just really, really likes the colour blue or whatever it is. Right. Is it people looking too much into it or do you think there is... Substance, substance. In, in I life. think that it's a little bit of both. 
And it's hard to tell because the only person you could really ask about the interpretations would be Stanley Kubrick, but he died. But he did write in the nineties, something like that. Ninety nine, yeah. yeah. He did. Uh, he did write a screenplay for this. Yeah. So he has this reputation of being um, such a stickler and, and having every everything in the scene is deliberate. And that scene with the red blood, red blood, uh, with the blood coming out of the elevator. elevator. He yeah. did like three times, but it took like ninety days to set up each time. Uh, nine days is what I heard. Nine days. Okay. Yeah. Apparently, every time he did it, they filmed it, and they're like, "Yay!" And then he's like, "Doesn't look like blood." No. Oh, so from what I've read on IMDb, which I think you might have read the same thing, is that it actually took him about a year to film that scene. Fucking hell. Yeah, because they did it. They did it three times at the end, but it's the setup. So with a director at the helm, somebody who's so um, in tune with his movie and then so strict with what's shown and how it's shown, I don't think that. All of these silly things like oh, the, the Native American wallpaper, little things like that. All of the things like the, the symbolism of a ball being thrown against it. The fact that the hotel is buried on this na- uh, Native American burial ground. Uh, sorry, built on a burial ground. Um, all of the small nuanced things that have built up this, this uh, massively comprehensive movie. Mm. I don't think that they can all be happenstance and... and there's two things that make me think that make me think that's true. It's it, a lot of what you hear about this movie is probably bullshit, and that's partly because apparently the script changed that much that they did so many rewrites that Jack Nicholson stopped reading his script and just started reading the ones he was given on the day. Fair enough. And the other thing was that scene where Jack Nicholson's throwing a tennis ball at the wall was Jack Nicholson's idea, because all it said in the script at the time was Jack Jack not working. Nah. So. Oh, well, if that's the case... Yeah, then it's not Kubrick's no. initial thought. Unless he's gone, well, that fits in with my theme. Yeah, yeah. Which, I don't know. It just seems a little bit too happenstance. And if the script has changed so much, then it can't be the, the case that the actors know what the uh, overarching idea is or what the final... Uh, what the themes running through the movie are in order to adjust their performances. So, like, the little things like... Um, we were watching a video on YouTube where the, the guy was saying every time he walked past a mirror, he was like trying to hide his own reflection because he, in his dream, he he's disgusted by it. Yeah, that can't be true if if, if Jack Nicholson is doing that based on the script that he's been given and has been changed by the time the film is finished. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, it would just the film wouldn't work. It would it would be following too many different themes because the actors are told one thing and they pursue one way of doing things, and then all of a sudden they're told to do it in a slightly different way. So, yeah, you've you've presented. Proof to me, and I now think the film is bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I still think it's a good film, and I still think that a lot of the themes make sense. Like the the first video that we watched made sense when it was talking about the themes of violence and alcohol. And yes, that kind of yeah, stuff. yeah, does make sense. And alcoholism is more prevalent in the book, as, as is violence and things like that. He actually, I think, he breaks his son's arm. Yeah, and he's he's dealing with it a lot, and he batters the shit out of one of his pupils, I think, as well. Yeah, I remember reading that. Yeah. Um, um, but that, that's that the thing is like, I, I took the film at face value and I think that was really the way it was meant to be intended there are some underlying themes that I probably didn't think about as much when I watched it but when I thought about them later on I was like oh that makes sense but some of them are just completely out there yeah, yeah. There's, there's two theories which I think are both probably bullshit but one of them makes you go oh yeah you know that kind of makes sense and the other one is just absolute bullshit okay give me one I, I will present them both to you excellent in a succinct way one of them is is the more believable one, which is that um, the father, Jack, is sexually abusing his son. Daddy. Right. Yeah. And 
there's a few things that indicate that. One of them, which like really struck me, was that when Jack first goes to the hotel to have his interview, he sat there reading the magazine. It's not until you zoom in and you look at the magazine that you realise it's actually a Playgirl magazine, which is intended for ladies. It's Playboys intended for boys. Oh, I didn't even know that. I think so. I could be wrong about that. But the, the thing that definitely makes it so is that the title, when you look up that specific issue, when you look at the, title, the cover, oh, yeah. is one of the titles on the cover of that is, is an article about incest. Right. Yeah. So that's a bit like, why would he be reading Playgirl? And why would he be reading one that has an article about incest? It's just too, too strong a connection. And the other thing is that when, um, when there's the scene where Jack sits his son down on his knee in, in yeah, the room yeah, and it's yeah. all really, really sinister. It is. And then the music helps with that. Doesn't yeah. It? And then all of a sudden, the scene after that is is um, he wakes up and he's. It turns out that Danny walks into the room and he's his jumper's torn and he's got this big bruise on his neck and he's sucking his thumb and that kind of stuff yeah. and it's like, it's almost as if after that exact scene he sexually abused his son and all of a sudden Danny is traumatized, literally sucking on his thumb, which yeah. is sort of a, a phallic symbol. Yeah. And, and he's he's not talking and he's just he's out of it. Um. And then, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, and they say that when he, he sat there screaming on his desk and he says he was dreaming about killing his family, Yeah, he was actually dreaming about what he did to his son and how guilty he felt of it. And they say that whole scene in 237 where he sees the naked lady and it turns into an old zombie gross lady is that that is Jack having a dream where he, in fact, is his son, is the abused one. Yeah. And it turns from an adult sexual idea into an idea of sexual abuse where it becomes like a gross old lady instead yeah. so there are, so, there so are the things dream, about so, it which make sense absolutely so Danny has a uh, sees the attractive thing which is the the hot looking girl mm. because it's I mean obviously that's supposed to be this idea of does Danny see the hot looking girl or does he see the crazy old lady though or does he just see a crazy lady because I think that's the only thing I think he only sees the Wendy really lady. says yeah um but that, yeah, that. I mean, when you when you're presented with all of that, and you're presented to it, presented all of that as, and you're being told that this is what what's happening. Yeah, definitely, it does make sense. But, and this is what I like about the film is it doesn't tell you. It doesn't. It doesn't. There's no exposition where it says, uh, Danny's been abused by Jack, mm. um, previously or throughout the film, um, and this is what happens when. And I get annoyed when films do this. When films say this is how you should think. Yeah. This is what you what we're presenting as an idea, um, and there's and you know you're just gonna fucking deal with it, um, and this has done it in a more subtle way, and I completely missed it. But did you? Well, because the thing is, I felt like there was a, there was. A, I mean, you, you think that he's beating up and he's abusing him, and there's definitely some. You don't trust Jack at all, especially around Danny. But I never, I, I never thought that it was. I mean, you kind of do think that it's Jack who's strangled him and given well, him. Well, it bruises. must have been. Well, it's either one of two things: either Jack has strangled him, or one of the spirits has. Yeah. And it makes me think it's the spirits because even Wendy at the end starts seeing the spirits. She sees the the bear slash dog man yeah, sucking yeah. off the the concierge in one of the rooms, and she sees the the toilet attendant or Grady or whoever it was uh, with his head bleeding. Yeah. yeah and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So there are spirits there. Because they can't all have seen similar things. They can't be having some kind of shared hallucination. I like that I kind of started to believe Jack when he's, you know, saying that he was, when he when he was being um, vulnerable and, and woke up from his dream and he was like, yeah, you're kind of on his side. And, you, and it, 
And Jack Nicholson plays it in such a way that you do believe him. He's teetering on madness. Although, yeah. he, from the indication of him having written that book and the line just saying, I'll work, work in no play, play makes Jack a dull boy. And it seems that he's been typing that since the beginning. It makes me see that he's crazy, but he just hasn't realised it and he's not completely gone over the edge. But he's, yeah. he's knocking foots. The, ho- <laughs> the hotel definitely helped him over. Mm. All right. I like that idea. There is one more. It's absolute bullshit, so I'll cover it really quickly. <laughs> Apparently, one of the theories is that this movie is Stanley Kubrick's way of confessing that he was involved in a faking of the moon landing. I love it. And that the CIA approached him yeah. to be able to use his studio, and he ended up helping to actually film the whole thing because he's such a perfectionist. He's like, no, 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 you've been shit. Um, and, and some of the things that point this out are the fact that Danny is wearing an Apollo 11 sweater at one point. Oh, yeah. Although, at the same time, the sexual abusive father thing also uses that says that the phallic. Apollo 11 is a phallic symbol that yeah. he's pointing at his mouth that's reaching a bit ew um, <laughs> also that when um, Danny gets strangled in the movie it's after he goes into the room 237 it's almost as if it's a symbolism of, of Kubik going into that room doing the filming and coming out but the strangulation is a way of showing that he was silenced and wasn't yeah, allowed yeah. to talk about it and, and you kind of go how many miles away from Oh yeah, and they they said that something stupid like the the <laughs> the moon is two hundred thirty seven thousand miles from Earth, yeah, and it was room two three seven. I know, and there was in the in the stock room. There's some a kind of what looks like tang. I don't think it's tang. Oh, I think yeah, it's yeah, some yeah. of the food that ends in ang. You don't see the whole word. <laughs> I think a branding makes it look like tang. I mean, I don't know what the fuck tang is. Beer, you don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But we're tang for it. But... Tang's what the astronauts would drink yeah. on their mission. Yeah. So that what that one's definitely more bullshit to me. But it, again. I think that's probably one of the best things about this movie is that it's, yeah. you, you can analyse the shit out of it and come out with so different, so many different interpretations. I am still the sort of person who goes with what I think is intended by the director, in other words, what's on screen, because I feel like if something's too subtle, it's almost wasted. Like People will just miss it, and then what's the point? That's kind of how I feel. How much after, does it add into the story? Really? After looking into the film, I kind of feel that way. Like I've watched this film, what, 15-odd years ago? I don't think I've... I've really appreciated it for what it is. Mm. But does that... Was it intentional? Or is it just complete accident that so many people can read into this so many ways and that Get Kubrick's not around to be able to go, eh, well, no, that's, that's shit. That's bullshit. And you're not so, going to whilst you're alive, you're not going to say, well, you're all fucking wrong. Well, it's adding to the, the mysteriousness yeah, yeah, of the yeah. film and the, the celebrity of it in a way, so... Yeah, I mean, the film's on that and, it's, and that all of these um, aspects have made the film more popular. They made me buy and read the book, so mm. it's, oh, really? it's all it, 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 it's yeah. all working for each other. So, anything else on on conspiracy theories? And no, I have a few bits of trivia I've nicked from IMDb. Um, the axe door scene took three days to film, and sixty doors. Sixty. Now, the other thing as well is that the the production designers or set designers, whatever, originally made the doors so they were easier to break. Apparently, Jack Nicholson oh, used to be a volunteer fire marshal. And so he smashed through it really easily. I mean, he's just, he could just use an axe. Yeah. He does look like an expert axe wielder. He does. Um, yeah. And the other thing is when he says, here's Johnny, that's here's from Johnny. Johnny Carson. Apparently yeah. that's something he used to send in one of his shows, but because Stanley Kubrick's British, he didn't really, he hadn't heard it before, so he almost completely cut that from the film. Fuck yeah. Um, apparently, Shelley Duvall, who played Wendy. Mm. Now, I don't know how true this is, but apparently Kubrick told the, the cast and crew to not give her any sympathy on set, to give her an extra sense of hopelessness. I have heard in other places about how 
He does that. Though. She didn't have a good time on that set. Yeah, she said it was I the know. hardest thing she's ever filmed. Yeah. And the, um, so to the point where that scene where Jack's trying to break through the door with the axe, she's screaming. It's partly acting, but also partly her fucking losing the plot a little bit and just shrieking through... Exhaustion, I think. Exhaustion, um, losing the plot in general. Yeah. I, I don't know, but I mean, that, that kind of makes it a bit more interesting as well. Never mind her mental abuse, but... I heard that in order to piss Jack Nicholson off even more, to get him into his riled up thing, yeah, yeah, they gave him like cheese sandwiches, which he hates. He hates cheese sandwiches, and they gave it to him for a couple of weeks as well. Yeah, as in the only thing that's the sort of thing. I don't know how well that would work. But... I want to, I want to look into more Kubrick films and see what other stuff mm. that uh, him and his production team. Just, who the fuck hates cheese sandwiches? That's the fucking delicious. Apart from people who are like vegans. Well, vegans and uh, lactose intolerant people. Mm. Even then, they love it. They just don't want to have it because it makes them farty. Cats. Yeah. Cats are apparently lactose intolerant. Yeah, and lactose. everybody gives them milk. Idiots. Stop giving cats milk. Stop giving rice to birds and stop giving bread to ducks. It makes them fat. Yeah. Do you know what's fucked this up? This is kids' books. Kids' books have made us fuck up ducks, poison cats, mm. and blow up pigeons with our fucking... I mean, actually, I don't remember ever reading a child's book that said, give... Basmati rice to a pigeon, but those <laughs> two say points don't stand. Throw, don't throw rice at weddings because because it will kill the pigeons or make them explode or some bullshit like that. Just, yeah, just nobody throw rice. Okay. <laughs> um, the last bit of trivia mm. is that um, there was a few other people considered to be the cast of Jack, so considered to be cast to be Jack. I can't think of anybody else who'd do it. No, because Jack Nicholson nails it. Fantastic. He has that sort of perfect level of, of losing the plot. Uh, yeah. With that smile that. Really sinister smile. Uh, one of them was Robert De Niro. Oh, yeah. I think it would have been all right. Yeah. Especially because um, Kubrick saw him in Taxi Driver. And obviously in Taxi Driver, he plays a bit of a psycho. Yeah, but yeah, weirdly, yeah. from what I read, he didn't think he was psychotic enough. Doesn't Who? make sense. Kubrick didn't think he was. Kubrick didn't think De Niro was, was psychotic enough. And then um, he saw another person who might have been cast, which was Robin Williams. And he oh, didn't cast Robin awful. Williams. That would have been... Yeah. Rubbish. Actually, no, that might have been good. Think about it. 24 hour photo. You, one hour photo. One hour photo. But <laughs> was it, how long ago was 1980? Well, from what I read was done? that he saw Robin Williams in Morecambe Mindy and he thought it was too psychotic to play him. Nano, nano. <laughs> uh, and then the last yeah. person. What? Harrison Ford. Potentially. He'd just be pointing a lot. Here's Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think uh, he was doing Blade Runner so he couldn't. I wish that they could re- remake <laughs> films with. Uh, Fantastic. <laughs> uh, I wish they could remake films. I don't want to see it with Robin Williams. No. Uh, but I we would... can't. Well, no. no, no. <laughs> uh, I don't think Robert De Niro is crazy now. Who, if you were to pick a modern day person to play him? I would choose. I've got an instant name. Okay, hang on, hang on. We're going to say them at the same time. Okay, go on. One, two, three. Matthew McConaughey. Oh. oh, James Franco. James Franco. Nah. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. I mean, James Franco can come across as a bit of a psycho. I can't imagine Matthew Tommy Wiseau. Oh, well, that would work, yeah. <laughs> he bursts through. Well, Wendy, you're burst? breaking my heart! <laughs> oh, hi, Danny. <laughs> oh, I need to see that film. I want to see his ass Okay, so, marks out of 10 for The Shining. Um, watching it in the modern day, personally, I. So when I first watched it, I would have given it a 6 out of 10. After reading more around it and some of the themes, 7 out of 10. 
But I still wasn't completely impressed by the first half of the film. I thought that was way too slow. I thought the editing was a bit simplistic mm. in a lot of ways. But then it's not at the same time because the shots where he's on the trike and running around the corridors are just like... Brilliant. Brilliant. So, I don't know. I'm just I'm really torn on this film. So, but I like that as well, mm. I guess. I'll give it a seven. Seven. I think I'd give it an eight and a half. Ooh. I really like it. I think it's terrifying. I think the, the shots are great. I think the characters are, are well developed and I think Jack Torrance is one of the scariest um, non-supernatural characters in that. Or is he? Well, no. He hasn't got The Shining. Uh-huh. No. Or does he? No, he doesn't. Because one of the things that they say is that he has The Shining which is why the hotel sends him so crazy. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah. And how he gets out of the fridge. But I genuinely think it is, it's terrifying and I think Maybe I'm looking at it in, in rose tinted glasses because I watched it when I was so young and it scared me. But I just think that the, the themes that it uses, um, that, it, that it has running through it, are genuinely terrifying. Like this domestic abuse is fucking scary. Mm. Um, and as the, even as the film opens with the music and this, this family, this dysfunctional family, are driving up. Yeah, they're driving up towards this this what's inevitably going to be uh, an empty uh, hotel fucking terrifying even mm. after watching it the second time I think that, that whole that whole drive up I'm thinking this is very scary because I know what's going to happen and, and yeah it's a sense of impending doom really isn't that's, it that's yeah that's what I was trying to say in about double maybe even quadruple the amount of words okay uh, so that is an average score of what did you give it 7 7 out of 10 you give it 8.5 out of 10 Danny what did you give it I give it an 8 out of 10 okay so that's roughly a Eightish out of ten. Eightish out of ten. Using yeah. our fantastic uh, averaging skills. Yeah, so I'd say um, let us know what you thought of the film. Yeah, and if you've not watched it, watch it. If you've not heard any of these conspiracy theories, go on YouTube, Google the shit out of it, because there's so many of them. Honestly, we've barely touched the surface. This guy wrote a, a script that was like an, an hour and 40 minute analysis of it or something. Yeah. Nuts thing like that. There's this whole theory about lines going through people's heads in certain scenes. It's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. And that's half the fun. And just let us know what you think and what you, you think of the themes and what you thought of the film and what really stood out to you and if you found it scary or not. When you watched it, it seems to be a big impact on that. And I'd just love to hear what else yeah. other people thought of it because I'm sick of hearing what you think of our films. So. <laughs> <laughs>
It's the name of the game. Mad Jack Libs. Mad Jack Libs. So the scene that we're going to do is from The Shining. What What do I have to do? Uh, well, what I'll, I'll tell you in a second. Sorry. Sorry, I'm, really sorry. Um, I'm very excited. The scene is where uh, uh, Jack is at his interview for the job of caretaker at the Overlook Hotel. General Manager Ullman is explaining how the hotel is shut down from October 30th to May 15th. Now, just to remind you, Mike, a noun is a word used to identify a class of people, places or things. Mm -hmm. An adjective is an attribute of something, in other words, sweet, red or technical. And a verb is a doing word, as the famous um, Massive Attack song says. Love, love, love is a word. Is a love word. is a doing verb. Doing word. Doing word. Doing word. It's not a doing verb. That makes no sense. So I'm going to go through the script I've written out, and I'm going to get you to insert the words. Okay. Mm. So can you please think of a type of porno? <laughs> what? A type of porno. Any type of porno. Um. Oof, ooh. Uh. Type of porno. I mean, there are so many. Okay. I'll go for. What's your favourite? Amateur milf. Okay. <laughs> amateur milf. Porno. Uh, cool. The next thing I would like you to think of is a bad habit. Watching amateur milf porno. <laughs> uh, bad habit. Biting your toenails. Wow. Have you ever tried that? No, I don't have the dexterity. I was going to say I'm not flexible enough for that. Uh, the next thing I want you to think of is a shit celebrity. Uh, Jade Goody. Wow. <laughs> Can we think of one that's not Kim particularly... Kim Kardashian. Okay, Kim Kardashian. I was going to say, I don't want to go too British with it because... Um, the Americans that listen to our podcast might not understand. Cool, I'm just going to type that in a few more times. <laughs> uh, I should just copy and paste, that would make way more sense. Yeah, Control C, Control V. Everybody knows that. <laughs> Kim Kardashian. I think I've even spelt it three different ways. No. Okay, what I need you to think of now is a famous moment in history. 9-11. Uh, <laughs> Are you sure? Well, I've got to keep it American. <laughs> okay. God, this is going to be bad. All right, well, should we change it? I don't know, I'm a little bit scared. Um, all right, the 10th no, of September. No, wouldn't work okay, as okay. well in this anyway. Think of another one. Another one. Um, in global history. Yeah. Um, Donald Trump making America great again. Uh, that might work. <laughs> making America great again. Uh, okay, now I want you to think of a silly word. Gizzards. Gizzards. What is that? Yeah, I think it's like something in your stomach. Okay. It's like an enzyme. And now I want you to think of a job. Um, a analysis therapist. Analthropist. Analthropist. What's an analthropist? No. Um, job. I can't think of any jobs. Any job at all? A proctologist. Proc. Tologist. Cool. Uh, now I would like you to think of an adjective. Um, golden. Golden. Yeah. And now I'd like you to think of a child's ailment. And what I think I mean by that is, is like, um, instead of saying diarrhea, you'd say like a poorly tummy. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Um, a sore thumb. Sore thumb. Okay. Uh, think of an object. Pint glass. Pint glass. Oh God. Uh, uh, I'm going to put that object in again. Uh, in fact, no, think of another object. An umbrella stand. Cool. Oh, I spelled that wrong. Well, than me. Umbrella. 
Uh, and now I'd like you to think of a famous song. Um, Laid by James. By James. Cool. Oh, I need to highlight that in bold. Uh, any other ones? Oh, uh, an addiction. Last one. Um, addiction. Bitcoin. Okay. <laughs> I know how that feels. All right. Okay. Here we go. So uh, we're now going to reenact that scene but with the, the words that you've come up with, replacing the words in the actual script. Okay. So who do I play? Do you want to play Ullman or Jack? I'll be... Do you do a Jack Nicholson impression? Hey, I'm Jack Nicholson. Because I can't, obviously. No, but we don't have to. I'll be Jack. Okay. You going to do an American accent or a British accent? Uh, American. Okay. So I'll be Manager Ullman. You be Jack. Okay. Okay, so I read those bits, you read those bits. Okay, okay. Pretty simple. Okay, cool. I'll start off. So, uh, when the place was built in 1907, there was very little interest in amateur milf porno, <laughs> and this site was chosen for its seclusion and scenic beauty. Well, it's certainly got plenty of that. <laughs> the winners can be fantastically cruel, and the basic idea is to cope with the very costly damage and depreciation which can occur. And this consists mainly of running the boiler, heating different parts of the hotel on a daily rotating basis, repair damage that occurs, and biting your toenails so that the elements can't get a foothold. <laughs> that works. Can you kind of sound like Obama. Oh, God. Well, that sounds fine to me. I realise I've got way more lines than you at the moment. Physically, it's not a very demanding job. The only thing that can get a bit trying up here during the winter is a tremendous sense of Kim Kardashian. Well, that just happens to be exactly what I'm looking for. I'm outlining a new writing project, and uh, five months of Kim Kardashian is just what I want. <laughs> That's very good, Jack, because uh, for some people, Kim Kardashian can of itself become a problem. Not for me. How about your wife and son? How do you think they'll take to it? They'll love it. I don't suppose they uh, told you anything about Denver about Donald Trump <laughs> making America great again we had up in here during the 19th century winter. I don't believe they did. Well, uh, my predecessor in this job hired a man named Gizzards <laughs> as the winter proctologist. <laughs> he came up here with his wife and two little girls. Ew. Uh, I think about eight and ten. And he had a good employment record, good reference, and from what I've been told, I mean, he seemed like a completely golden individual. That was a bit shit. But at some point during the winter, he must have suffered some kind of sore thumb. <laughs> He ran amok and uh, killed his family with a pint glass. Oh, <laughs> fucking grim, that. And stuck him neatly in one of the rooms of the West Wing, and then uh, he put uh, both barrels of an umbrella stand in his mouth. We've all been there. <laughs> Police uh, thought that it was what the old timers used to call laid by James. <laughs> <laughs> kind of claustrophobic reaction which can occur when people are shutting together over long periods of time. Well, that is uh, quite a story. Yeah, it is, though it's still hard for me to believe in what actually happened here. But it did, and I uh, think you can appreciate why I wanted to tell you about it. I certainly can. And uh, I also understand why your people in Denver left it for you to tell me. Well, obviously, some people can be put off by the idea of staying alone in a place where something like that actually happened. Well, you can rest assured, Mr. Ullman, that's not gonna happen with me. And uh, as far as my wife is concerned... Uh, I'm sure she'll be absolutely fascinated when I tell her about it. She's a confirmed Bitcoin addict. <laughs> and scene. What is the actual bit, though? She's a confirmed... Um, 
Gossip. Sort of horror story, I think, uh, right. I think it was. Yeah, that was, that was all right. Some of them were a bit shit, some of them were quite good. I loved it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I just think we should, next time, we should just do the whole... The whole the podcast of, of yeah. Mad Libs. Yeah, yeah. Do more scenes. And we should, I think our impressions of uh, actors... Huge King K. Russian. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, very good, well done. Yeah, I mean, considering you did a performing arts degree. Mm, fuck off. I did theatre studies theater and education. Studies. Completely yeah. different to performing arts. Did you do a lot of acting? Uh, I mean, if you can call it that. Well, exactly. That's I ran around in my <laughs> bare foot feet quite a lot. Yeah. Bare feet. A lot of... Yeah. Yeah. Lots, mm. A lot of slam poetry. Oh, God. Winter coming. Stop. Wait! <laughs> Shit like that. Oh, God, that's horrible. Yeah, I hate slam poetry. Ah, uh, slam poetry. Um, so, do you, you enjoyed the Mad Libs? I did. I really liked it. Um, I think um, I'm going to give you one. Yeah. And some Mad Libs. Well. Yeah, baby. <laughs> um, yeah, next time I'll, I'll get one ready. Cool. That's a fun exercise. That was. Should do it again. Awesome. Um, so, thanks for listening to the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you want to hear more of these classic movie analyses and reviews, then let us know and we'll do some more. In fact, tell us what movie you'd want us to review. Review Aliens. Review Williams, what? No, review Aliens. Review Aliens, that's a good one because I've still not seen it. Mm-hmm. That's the next one. Yeah. If no one else comes up with a banana idea. Excellent. Well, uh, yeah. Keep listening. Follow us on social media. Fuck off. Bye. Bye.